Welcome to Encounter Grace, where we come face-to-face with God's work in the world for our good. Join host Jason McKnight as we explore practical issues of community, theology, and leadership in everyday life. Hey, welcome to Encounter Grace. I'm Jason McKnight, and I'm glad you're with us. Listen, my dad was an entrepreneur. He was a small business owner, and I got to watch him as I grew up. He and his partner, they always put biblical principles into practice in their consulting firm. How did they learn those principles? Of course, that was a long time ago. Maybe everyone knew them back then. How today would a business leader, business owner, an executive of a company put into place the practices of Scripture in this rough-and-tumble world of business? Well, here in Eastern North Carolina, I'm pretty excited that we have Jim Steele with us today. He's the area chair for a group called C12. Jim, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Jason, for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. We're so glad, and I'm going to let you answer all those questions. How do you put business practices from Scripture into business uh, practices today? I know you're busy. Uh, you were, you know, in three different meetings already, four different meetings today. So thank you for taking the time to encourage our listening community. The first thing I want you to do is tell us what C12 is. <laughs> well, it's one of the ways to introduce ministry into the marketplace. You hmm. know, you said that your dad was doing that a long time ago. Uh, about 30 years ago in Tampa, Florida, a gentleman named Buck Jacobs um, created C12. And C12 originally stood for Christian 12. Hmm. And the concept was to have 12 Christian business owners sit around a table every month to work on their businesses from a biblical perspective. Huh. And uh, that, those first two groups have grown into um, groups in 35 states now, all across the country wow. and in Brazil and Malaysia. So we're now an international uh, organization. I love it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it'll be fun to tell you more about it, Okay. So C12, 12 business owners sitting around a table once a month, and it was this, this Tampa business owner, kind of the brainchild back yeah. 30 years ago. Yeah, well, Buck had worked yeah. with a gentleman, a good friend of his. They had owned a business prior to this, and they had, when they started the business, they had decided that they were going to run it as if Jesus was the CEO. Hmm. And so they did that for 8 to 10 years. It worked out really well. They sold the business, and Buck was looking for what's next. Hmm. And the Lord led him to Tampa, to that area, and he looked for existing platforms to see if he could fit in there. And he didn't find anything that that satisfied the, what he was looking for, so he created C12. Hmm. Um, and like I said, the rest is kind of history. Yeah. So what do we talk about? Like if I like, like, like pretend I'm the business owner, pretend I, I got, you know, a little, mm-hmm. you know, Eastern North Carolina security system, let's say. That's a, that's a good example. Exactly. <laughs> as a matter of fact, I, I saw that on Facebook that yeah. Tom Vermillion has been in C12 as one of those business owners for 15 years. 15 years is exactly and right. And you still yeah. haven't cured him. Yeah, no. But, <laughs> no, I'm But kidding. we're working on it. <laughs> so. No, he's a great leader and I know he loves this, but we'll get to that. Uh, so if I'm a business owner and I'm talking to you saying, w- w- tell me a little more about it, how do you, how do you describe it for me? You know, it, it's one of the things that it's hard to describe. It's almost you have to see it in mm. order to appreciate it. But fundamentally, it's an executive roundtable. It's a group of peers yep. who are like-minded in faith, uh, who share the entrepreneurial spirit, and are trying to introduce ministry into the marketplace. So... That, that's where we begin with. And, uh, and the advisory uh, concept is an all-day meeting. Mm. I mean, we meet from generally 9 in the morning till 4 in the afternoon, 
And the day is split into two parts. Uh, the first half of the day, we study MBA-level materials. Hmm. And when I say MBA-level, Regent University has approved the curriculum that we provide. You can get credit towards your MBA from Regent just by attending C12. Wow. Okay. So it's that caliber of materials that we offer. And, and in the morning, you say? That's the morning. And, and that's business-oriented. It, actually, there's three pieces to it. There is a devotion that we start with. Mm -hmm. There is a business segment. And then there's a ministry segment because the, the goal is to apply ministry in their whatever their business happens to be. Right. So a ministry segment would be, like, give me an example of what we would spend that half an hour or hour talking yeah, about. Yeah, I can tell you what we just did this month in October. Yeah. Okay. Um, we concentrated on something called the S-curve. And the S-curve is, is basically defines where you are in business, okay, from, a, from the startup phase to the growth phase to the scaling to the maturity level. Hmm. And then when you get to the maturity, then one of three things generally happens. You level off and just kind of stay there. You can decline and start slowly descending out of business, or you can start another S-curve. Right. Okay. Well, the same thing applies in ministry. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we looked at in the ministry segment was where is your ministry efforts in your business right now? Are you at the startup phase? Are you at the growth phase? Or do you have a mature ministry application going on in your company? That's great. So it was, it's, it was an excellent segment. Good stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. So, that's, so that's the morning of the one day a month that I would yep. gather with 11 of my peers. That's, that's from about 9 to 12, 15 or so. Yeah. And then a good lunch together. Good lunch, yeah. <laughs> most places, most people meet at uh, clubs, country clubs, or nice mm -hmm. places so yeah. that we, get, we feed them well. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> we have to. Yep. And then what happens in the afternoon? The afternoon for many is, the, is almost the highlight of the day because we take one of the business owners and they describe their business over the last 12 months. Mm. And they talk about um, basically the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know, the things that are going well, the things that are not going so well. And then they have an opportunity to ask their peers for advice on two to three questions hmm. uh, that are relevant for them. And that usually takes a couple hours, sometimes two and a half hours, yeah. sometimes three hours. I mean, it depends on what's happening. Uh, within that individual business. Uh, and it's not restricted just to their business. Sometimes their questions are uh, more personal or family-oriented. And I think that's the thing that is most exciting for me is that basically we get to live life together. Right. You know, those 12 people in that group uh, get to know each other and trust each other with lots of things that it's hard for a business owner to find anywhere else. Well, that's what I'm thinking. So. Yeah. Every month, I gather mm -hmm. with our elders here, mm -hmm. who are the shepherds, and, and they're my boss, like I report to them, mm -hmm. but I'm also one of them, but we're in each other's lives, and yeah. there's accountability, and mm -hmm. there's uh, coaching and correcting, but encouragement, and, yeah. um, and if I were a business owner, I wouldn't have that, and who would keep me on? Right. There are, you know, there are secular organizations who do similar things to what C12 does. Really? Okay, yeah, but they're not so much in eastern North Carolina <laughs> because they typically find them in Raleigh or Charlotte or yeah. Greensboro, bigger yeah, communities, bigger okay? Um, what's amazing is how fast C12 has grown in this part of the state. Mm -hmm. um, it's really got a good hold in eastern North Carolina, doesn't it? It's, uh, you know, we're a nationwide organization, as I mentioned, and uh, C12 East Carolina mm -hmm. Uh, has for the last 10 years been the largest single unit in the whole country in terms of membership. 
Wow. Uh, and in fact, in the last year, we have just transitioned. One year ago in October, we transitioned from C12 East Carolina to C12 Mid-Atlantic because we now we have uh, chairs like myself in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and in Hampton yep. uh, and Newport News and Richmond, Virginia are all a part of C12 Mid-Atlantic. Wow. And so... Just to give you an idea of the scope, there's probably, well, there's a little over 3,000 members nationwide, and over 300 of them are in our Mid-Atlantic group. Really? And, and when I started doing this about 12 years ago, there was one other gentleman who started it in eastern North Carolina. I joined him, and now there are 11 of us. Wow. So, chairs. Area so chairs. 11 chairs, yeah. Wow. So we're from Wilson, Rocky Mount, Greenville, uh, Goldsboro. Wilmington, and then those two others that I mentioned, mm-hmm. South Carolina. And, and you got involved 12 years ago. What, what got you into it? It's interesting. Uh, I was working at the time uh, as a, a corporate pilot in a local company, and the owner of that group is, is still to this day a great friend, like a brother, and he was a, bull, and a strong Christian man. We had gone through a difficult time. If you think back to 2008 and nine, the mm. economy was in a, not a good stop, uh, spot. And he had to lay a number of people off, and he was really struggling. He had never had to lay anybody off. And I heard of C12, and I managed to meet the gentleman in Rocky Mount who started it here. And my purpose was to get my boss to a C12 meeting right? to be with other Christian business owners, to help him navigate the challenges he was facing at the time. That's how it started for me. <laughs> uh, it, just, it, it was kind of funny. The first hour we met, he and I t- talked about C12 and my boss. And, and at the end of that, he said, what are you doing with the rest of your life? Mm. And I said, you know, that's interesting. I said, I just started going to seminary. Mm. I thought I might be an executive pastor. Right. I was 59 thinking that, you know, I'm not going to fly forever. So right. I really felt like God was calling me into ministry of some kind. Uh, and he was. And he was, yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't what I thought the kind of ministry that I, that I would be involved with. Yeah, you're right. So. So uh, you were flying corporately, but before then, you spent 22 years in the U.S. Air Force. I did. Tell us a little bit about that. What, what drew you to the Air Force, and then what did you do in it? Well, my dad was military, so okay. he spent 20 years in the Air Force and uh, retired at Seymour Johnson, close by here. Yep, yep. And so this became home in the, in the mid-60s. Um, by, just by way of uh, record, my mother spent 30 years as a Department of the Air Force civilian, so she topped both of us in terms of service to the country. Uh, but my dad, my dad worked on airplanes. He was in the maintenance field. And when I decided I thought I'd like to become uh, an Air Force uh, for a career, or look at the Air Force for a career, he strongly encouraged me to pursue uh, my degree and officership. Hmm. And so I ended up, that's what I did. I went to East Carolina, went through the ROTC program, and three weeks after I graduated, went to pilot training. So I spent the bulk of my time as an Air Force pilot. Wow. So, And you flew, what, what were some of the planes you some flew? Some of the planes, I started as an instructor pilot. As soon as I graduated, I was kept as an instructor. And then I went to uh, the Philippines and flew a hospital ship. It's a DC-9. Huh. It used to be a commercial airliner. Yeah, the Air I've Force flown on the DC-9 yeah. back Air in the Force day. uses it as a hospital ship. Huh. And so I did that for a couple of years, and then I transitioned to uh, the Starlifter, the C-141, which was a four-engine jet transport. Wow. Uh, it flew out of Charleston and flew all over the world in those. Uh, wow. um, my last flying was in uh, more the corporate 
environment. I flew Learjets for the military, and I flew VIPs, generals and congressmen and things of that nature. Really? And oh. that was kind of the background for what I ended up doing here locally. Yeah, working, so. working with the smaller jets. Um, and you also, you have said, and you've told me that you've you spent a couple of tours at the Pentagon. Yeah. Is, is that like purgatory or is it like a reward? Uh, no, it's a lot closer to purgatory. <laughs> <laughs> no, no one I know considers it a reward. It's more of an, uh, a painful necessity mm-hmm. uh, in, in your career progression. So, uh, and, and honestly, that was one of the factors that led me to decide it was time to get out because mm. um, I had a wonderful career, extremely yeah. blessed. For me, it was a calling just like what I do now. But uh, the future of going back for a third time to the Pentagon was not all that appealing. <laughs> so I decided two times was enough. And uh, and we ended up in Kinston, North Carolina, which we never would have expected. Because you are you grew up here. My wife, well, I grew oh, up you, in Goldsboro. You grew up in Goldsboro, yeah, that's right. But my and wife is from Kinston. Unbelievable. And so, yeah, so we came back home. Isn't uh, that amazing? Now, listen, the Pentagon, the, the, the building itself, mm-hmm. did you all ever have races, those long hallways and the ramps? <laughs> Uh, yeah, usually. No, are you allowed to say? Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> six o'clock every afternoon. It's time to leave. We all race to get out. That was that was probably the only race that I can recall. But uh, I remember the first time I went there uh, in high school on a trip. You know, back in the '80s, way before 9/11. It was so fun. <laughs> it's an, it is a fascinating place. And and the first time I was there, I was there as a a senior captain, a junior major, and I was working under the Air Force, mm. the Department of the Air Force, in a personnel role, and I had an office on the E-ring, and the E-ring is the outer rings. Right. So my window overlooked the Potomac River, and oh, I could see the Washington man. Monument. I'm yeah. thinking, this is great. Right. I loved it. My second tour, there were no windows. I was in the basement for three years. <laughs> and some days I'd go in before sunup and I'd go home after sundown and never saw the day, light of day. Oh, man. So that's the, the purgatory part comes from the second experience. That's true. That's mm. true. But actually, you were telling me the other night, uh, you were telling me the other night when we were just talking after uh, General Colin Powell passed, mm-hmm. you, you were in a meeting with him. At least once, or maybe you're not supposed to say this. Am I uh, doing something wrong? You know, I think that uh, <laughs> uh, I think it's okay at this point to share, but uh, I don't want to get you in trouble. No, no. I, I hope the statutes of limitations <laughs> get exhausted. I don't know. Uh, but while I was at the uh, Joint Chiefs of Staff, my second tour there, I was a colonel, and every I can't remember if it was Tuesday or Wednesday, but he would have a staff meeting. And the directors, and there were eight directors, J1 through J8, would go to the staff meeting with the chairman, and the chairman was Colin Powell. And our director was unable to attend, and she sent me in her place. But before I went, I got, and this was a one-star Army uh, general, a woman, who's a great lady who I have the utmost respect for, but she was really serious all the time. And she told me, I want you to go, and you're going to set. This is where your spot's going to be at. And when General Powell turns to you and says, you know, what do you have for us this morning from J-1? You're supposed to say, nothing, sir. Everything's great in J-1 and nothing else. <laughs> Don't say anything else. And so, so sure enough, I, and I'm a little intimidated because everybody else in those chairs are all general officers. Right. And, uh, and I'm at the end, and, and General Powell obviously has been informed who's around the table. He knows everybody else but me. And so when it's my turn, he goes, hey, good morning, Jim. How are things in J-1? I said, they're great, sir. And General Willis sends her regards and tells me not to say anything else. <laughs> I, I didn't actually say that, but that no. was my what I was thinking. That's so. what you meant. Yeah. 
Well, you know, we've been talking about ministry in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. um, for all those years in the military, you know, you're loving the Lord. Tell me about shining the light of Christ there. Yeah, I, um, that's where I grew in my faith, uh, Jason, mm. was in the military. I, I became a believer at 18. Okay. Okay. And so I wasn't raised in a church home. Um, we were, you've heard the term priesters. Well, we went at Christmas and Easter, and that was pretty much our story. Mm. Um, as a junior in high school is when my dad moved to North Carolina. And I tell my testimony is pretty simple. When I left North or Kansas, where we were stationed before, I was the quarterback on the football team. I was the uh, junior class president, and I was dating a cheerleader. And when I got to Goldsboro, they had a class president. They had a really good quarterback, and all the cheerleaders were taken. <laughs> were taken. <laughs> so my mom and dad, I convinced them to let me go back to Kansas to finish high school. Uh, I didn't have any family there. I lived with a friend, uh, my mm. best friend, and mm. his dad was a teacher at the high school. And, and just before I graduated from high school, I gave my life to Christ because church was a normal part of their family life. Amen. And so, yeah, the 5th of May, uh, wow. 1968, I went forward, and uh, two weeks later I was baptized. And, wow. and, but between that time and the time of the Air Force, I didn't understand the concept of growth hmm. in my walk or my faith. And it was in the Air Force that I met some young guys who were all about that, and they had a tremendous influence on me um, from my first assignment until I finished. And I guess the part I would like to share is while at the Pentagon, there's an organization, and I assume it's still there today, called the Christian Embassy, hmm. which is an yeah. offshoot of um, Campus Bill Crusade. Bright. Yeah, Bill Bright. Yeah, mm -hmm. so I met Bill Bright while I was there and some mm -hmm. other folks that you would know. But um, the Christian Embassy had a ministry for Congress, and they had one for the Pentagon. Mm, that's right. And uh, I started going to their Bible studies uh, my first tour there. And the second tour there, my last three years, every Tuesday at noon, I had a Bible study in my office with 12 other it was interesting, 12 other yeah. individuals, and they were all colonels uh, for the most part, and, and we'd get together and spend one hour, you know, going through God's Word. And so, Isn't that great? It, yeah, it was, it was essential in my growth and my faith, mm -hmm. as the, some of the people I met in the military. You know, it's interesting, uh, we watch the news, mm -hmm. or we, you know, f the feed that goes by on our social, uh, and we can get really despondent because things don't seem to be going in the right direction mm -hmm. a lot of times. Mm -hmm. We do not know how many of these little lunchtime Bible studies are yeah. going on in right. companies, in universities, at the Pentagon, in Congress, state houses. We just don't know how many believers are meeting with each other, praying right. for their workplace. And for our country. And, for, and then, and that, yeah, yeah, for then, for the country. Yeah, for sure. No, it's amazing. Uh, it, is, it is crazy. So your, your role in C12 now is a lot of leadership development just by being with people yes. and, and by helping them lead at a higher level. It strikes me that your 22 years in the Air Force, and especially as you kind of stayed in and progressed along, mm -hmm. uh, you did a lot of leadership development by being with leaders, by being... But I'm, you know, I did not grow up in the U.S., but mm -hmm. I have been a student of the U.S. since I was a teenager and, mm -hmm. then, and now living here. And, and it strikes me that the United States military at its higher echelons mm -hmm. is one of the best leadership labs in the entire world. And, and it's not perfect. Not by any stretch. You know, yeah. but, so I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not doing you know, hagiography, but, but it strikes me that there is a great 
focus on on um, outcomes and process mm-hmm. and development of talent mm-hmm. and merit. Mm-hmm. Um, Recognition and, is a, a, a major element uh, of leadership. Yeah, what, what do you think of all that stuff I just said to you? Is this true or am I, am no, I missing no, I, something? I think you're exactly right. That, that was my experience. Um, mm. I, I had the privilege of working for uh, tremendous leaders. And, uh, and so just as you're a young leader growing and you get to see that on a daily basis, uh, you, you start to appreciate you know, what it takes to – the military does, I think, a couple things really well. One is they focus on mission. Okay. Yeah, that's true. They're they're all about the mission and, and accomplishing the mission, whatever it is. And the second thing is they really are emphasize people. You know, if you think back to some of the just marketing things that the military has done over the years, the Army of One, and right. and the Army is a great example of. Um, it's all about the soldier. It's the it's mm, and the sailor yeah. and the airman. It's not it's not the focus. Isn't really on the officer. It's on those young individuals who are right out of high school, yeah. and and taking care of them. And so, in many respects, it reminds me of the servant leadership model. Hmm. Because hmm. what do we do to make them successful right. uh, in training and education? And I think one of the things I've never forgotten about uh, the military is I saw so much of leadership by example. Hmm. You know, people wouldn't ask their individuals to do anything they weren't willing to do themselves. Yeah. And I think that's really powerful. Yeah. So, so I think you're right. I think that's a fair assessment. Is it perfect? No, not by any stretch of the imagination. And, you know, in today's world, uh, that, that hierarchical uh, organizational chain of command thing is, you know, um, is not often viewed in a positive light. Mm-hmm. What I've seen in the C12 world is I've seen um, business owners, CEOs, who have taken their organizational structure and turned it upside down. Mm-hmm. So when you see it, the owner or the CEO is at the bottom. In fact, mm-hmm. the best example I saw of that was a, a gentleman one day who was doing his business presentation, and he showed that kind of a structure where he's at the bottom, and it wasn't CEO. Um, he was CSL, Chief mm-hmm. Servant Leader, mm-hmm. was what he called himself. Mm-hmm. His job was, and then it went up from there, yep. all the way to the, at the top of the org chart, was the lowest level uh, and lowest paid position within the company. Mm. Um, so it's interesting, you know, Jim Collins in one of his two books talks about, yeah. I think it's him, but it talks about uh, the staff, like the chambermaids and the, mm-hmm. and the bellhops and the front desk people at the Ritz Carlton hotels. Oh, yeah. They are tasked or they are given the authority to make any change they need to make to yep. benefit the guest. Yep. That's, that's the that. lowest being the top. That's exactly right. Because it's not, I have to go up three levels to get the authority to spend 200 bucks. I just yeah. do it because yeah. that is the Ritz. But Well, I understand, <laughs> but, it's a great, it. but it's a great model for, yeah. uh, for leadership development. Yeah. And so that's one of the things I think the military does well. And mm-hmm. that's one of the things we strive to do in C-12. Is yeah. there are, because, and we haven't talked about this, I don't think, but there are two levels of membership. Hmm. You observed an owner-level group, but there's a group of people who meet basically the same um, day, but they're called key players. And mm. so they work for the CEOs, they work for the owners. And so we're trying to grow them uh, into increased responsibility right, uh, right. At, at all areas of the, of the company. So there may be a marketing person or a salesperson or a finance person and things like that. And they meet with their peers for the oh. same kind of experience. Yeah. Um, so, oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, let's go back to then. Let's let's stay with C twelve and, okay. and go here, and let's talk just a little bit. Um, business as 
is it just chasing money? No. Like, I mean, it's not because I'm asking it provocatively. But yeah. give me a defense for Christian. Before C12, I would have said yes. Right. Because I think most of us look at it that way. Uh, but And it's interesting. In the, in the C12, uh, we've discovered over time, and we've been doing this for almost 30 years now, mm-hmm. that uh, historically about 10% of the businesses are Christian-owned. Huh. And about 10% of those Christian-owned businesses are serious enough about their faith to want to use the marketplace as a ministry platform. Right. And so those C12 members are, are unique. I mean, they yeah. are, and you know some of them. Yeah. And they are unique, and they're, they're incredible people, okay? Um, yeah. But they, they want to make a difference in the world. In fact, that's our, our mission is to, our vision is to change the world by advancing the gospel in the marketplace. Hmm. And our mission is to equip Christian CEOs and business owners to build great businesses for a greater purpose. And so right. that's what we emphasize to, right. to the business owners. It's really the recognition that we don't own anything, including mm-hmm. our businesses. Mm-hmm. And so we're stewards for a season. And so our job is to steward that to the very best of our ability with the goal of not creating wealth, right? but hearing well done, good yeah. and faithful servant yeah. at some point in the future. And so. I, I think it is easy to... F- to get off track, like in my even in my own life, it's easy to get off track Absolutely. and and yeah, sort of look at the four hundred one k statement and think, oh good, I'm doing okay. Yep. But I'm not. It, yeah. It's all God's. That's right. <laughs> it's yeah. up to Him. Whatever yeah. He wants. That's so right. So I'll just keep doing the right thing. Day to day, I think that's what we try to encourage: is just make good decisions every day. And mm-hmm. uh, I think there's a proverb that says something to the effect of, you know, it talks about planning a fair amount in in proverbs. But God, God orders our steps. You know, we can mm-hmm. plan all we want, mm-hmm. but God's the one that's going to be responsible for the outcome. So that's where our, our trust and our faith and our hope has to lie. Oh, that's great. So. That is great. Um, so if someone listening to this wants to know more, like maybe they are a business owner mm-hmm. or a key player, like right. a vice president or a C-suite person, mm-hmm. or if um, someone has a friend that they're, hey, they, they'd be a great candidate for C-12, how, how do they contact you? Um, probably the easiest way nationwide, okay, yeah. would be to go to c 12 uh, dot com. C12.com. C12.com. That'll identify groups all over the country. Mm-hmm. And so it would apply yeah, to that's us right. locally. So, yep. you know, they could, they could find a group nearby. And, and although we're in 34 states, uh, there's a lot of places we haven't touched at all. Right. So we're constantly looking for chairmen, chairmen to yeah. start. Like this month, every month we'll say, hey, if you know somebody in this month, it was Pittsburgh, Little Rock, or Milwaukee, mm-hmm. you know, then those are some areas we're trying to target. And I think, not surprisingly, C12 has really grown tremendously in the South, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and to the Midwest. You know, North Carolina has more members than any state in the country. Florida's second, and that's where it started. Wow. Texas is third. So it all kind of is in, the, you know, that it's part It's so of nice to beat Texas. Uh, yeah, <laughs> in something. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> well, Texas is number two behind us for the largest single group in the country. Wow. Uh, but at some point, their groups are in San Antonio and Austin. Mm. If you think about the communities we serve, at some point, we're not going to be number one. Right. But that's okay. We'll enjoy it while we can. Yeah, and per capita. Yep. And change. I mean, you you look at the folks in in C12, at least the ones I know locally, like just, and and they're just, they're pouring out into the community. They're helping. If I could expand on one thing, you talk about not being uh, just about money. And and the example I'm going to share is one you're familiar with, mm. because the, one of the things that we really encourage our, our members to work on is the culture of their organization. Mm, yeah. 
and, and and we have a mutual friend who's done an incredible job with that mm-hmm. um, right here in the, in McKinsey, North Carolina, who's been in the business for over 20 years, but in the last five years has seen a transformation of his culture. Mm-hmm. And it started by him creating a mission, a vision, and some core values, you know, and, and, and not just putting them on a piece of paper on a wall, but living them out. Living them and out. it has transformed his company. Um, and and, 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 and it well. affects the bottom line, but that's not why you do it. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah. when everyone yeah. likes working and works yeah. harder, that's there's right. less turnover and you serve your customer better, yeah. obviously the bottom line changes. Yeah. And in terms of the benefit, uh, we're in an incredibly difficult time for hiring individuals right now and retaining mm-hmm. uh, help as well. And so this individual shared a story during his business presentation recently that one of his uh, employees was offered a job at $3 more an hour. Mm-hmm. That's a significant, that's a lot, that's a lot of money, mm-hmm. okay, and turned it down because he mm-hmm. really liked where he was at. He liked the people. He liked the culture. He liked what they were doing. Yeah. And so does it matter? Yeah. And, and some of the business owners struggle uh, when they first become a C12 member with this concept of ministry in the marketplace, and they don't know, you know, do I need to send missionaries to, you know? Right. Uh, and my answer is always start with where you're planted. Mm-hmm. And when that means your people. Yeah. Start with your people. How do you how do you treat your people? How can you better serve your people? And then see what happens. See where God takes you from there. Well, I think what's so fun is that you get to help um, business owners and key players expand their definition of ministry. Mm-hmm. Like I think a lot of Christians start with a definition of ministry thinking missions overseas or I've got to be asking someone to become a believer today or mm-hmm. I'm not doing ministry. But when you pour into, like Jesus yeah. poured into people and he changed their lives, and he just walked alongside them, mm-hmm. and that was ministry. Right. He asked some people to follow him at certain points, and we'll do that. Yep. But really, it's the influence of, of just living yeah. by the Spirit. You know, the other element that we didn't talk about with the C12 experience for the owners and the CEOs is, in addition to the all-day meeting, there is a, uh, an hour to an hour and a half one-on-one coaching session every month mm. where we meet. And so we talk about things like ministry, and we talk about things like their family. We talk about yeah. their personal growth and development. Yeah. You know, every, every great leader is growing. Yeah. You know? yeah. And so how do we encourage them and equip them to, to, to not uh, shortchange that process? Mm-hmm. You know, apart from C12, what are they doing? And uh, you know, one of the things we really encourage is a personal quiet time. Mm-hmm. You know, how much time are you spending with the Lord and how are you doing that? And yeah. what are some resources that we pr- could provide for you to help you and right encourage on. you? Right on. So uh, don't you think that, and just doesn't it please the Lord? Doesn't he just, I mean, he looks forward to your quiet time as much as you do. I, I believe that's the case. I mean, yeah. Seriously. And, 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 and you know when you miss it that the day doesn't seem to be the same. Yeah, yeah. If I miss that time, and you, you certainly can uh, appreciate that. Yeah. So. Well, Jim, thank you for coming in. Let me ask you one last question. Okay. What, um, what do you want to be your legacy? As you're, as you're thinking C-12, as you're thinking Air Force, your family, like what, you know? Um, you know, I, I talk to these people about their legacy a lot. Huh. And a few years ago, I, I read a book called, I think it was called Living Forward, but I'm not sure, by Michael Hyatt. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And in there was an exercise where I have already written my eulogy. Okay, and and it's based on not what I um, want people to say; it's what I hope people will say, and it challenges me to live that life between now and then, yeah. so that hopefully somebody would say 
these kinds of things about it. With respect to my family, I have uh, two children and five grandchildren. All know the Lord, love the mm. Lord, and so I have that, that security of knowing. You know, the, the youngest is 12. He's locally, and about three years ago, he, he was baptized at a um, vacation Bible school. And so he was the youngest, and so that, that's part of the legacy, I think, and uh, an important part of the legacy. Mm. And then from the C12 uh, standpoint, the goal is to continue to grow this nationwide and around the world, okay? Yeah. And I, uh, at some point, I'm going to transition out of this, and I'll turn it over to somebody else. I, I've already turned over a part of my business to one individual who was a member for six years. Wow. I have, um, and he's getting ready to turn over part of his business to another one of my members who's now his member. Wow. And I have two members in my groups now who would love to take my business. Mm. So my legacy in C12 might be that I would have created four new C12 chairs yeah. out of members. Yeah. And that would be... Uh, That's 48 be a, businesses. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, yeah, 48 hopefully is a minimum. Yeah, as a minimum. Yeah, as a right starting. now I serve 30 now, so I've got, wow. instead of 12, I've got 14 in one group, and we have 16 in the other. Wow. And so so at some point I need to transition those and, mm-hmm. and let those guys be blessed and, and be a blessing to, the, to their members. What an amazing thing. You know, business is everywhere, so let's do it right. Absolutely. You know, business principles come out of Scripture, the good ones, and yeah. so let's, let's align with Scripture yeah. and let's see that. So... Thanks be to God. Well, Jim, I'm really thankful that you had the time to come in today. Well, thank you for having me, Jason. It's been a a pleasure and a privilege. Yeah, it's so great. And I I can't wait to maybe even continue a conversation on diving into an issue or two would be a lot of fun, not just getting to know you, because I think our folks listening here at Encounter Grace love this kind of stuff. We want to see God's work in the world for our good. So thanks, Jim, and thank you all for coming. We'd love for you to share this. As you know someone who maybe is a business owner or a friend, let them hear Jim and let them pursue this. And uh, we'll see you back here the next time. This is a ministry of Grace Fellowship Church in Kinston, North Carolina. Visit gracekinston.org.